Welcome to Roadblock, or heart-to-heart conversations with yours truly, Nicolette Swaby, also known as Jay Roots. I look forward to our time together as we face our story in the glory. In a world filled with so much evil and uncertainty, what lies ahead remains unknown. However, we have established that suffering is guaranteed and so is the will of God. In this 21st century, we cannot have our hope in any marriage, friendship, job, bank account, or anything else that has its foundation in this world. This past weekend, our church, Bible Teachers International, held our life-changing Caribbean Conference 2019 that has left many making sober decisions to cling to God for real on this leg of the journey. And we committed ourselves again to allowing His life, His faith to operate in us. It was a call to sobriety where we were challenged to loose ourselves from this world, guard the anointing, embrace our calling as ministers of reconciliation, and embrace God's great love, the gift of faith in us, which is the operation of God in the earth. This operation transcends the power of humanity. As we deny ourselves as the body of Christ and allow this power, the faith of Jesus, to operate, we will see miracles, signs, and wonders. And just like the early church, we will be able to say, look upon us, knowing that we have no desire to be seen, but only that the life of Christ would be seen and handled in us, and that the nations will run to God. Oh, what a beauty it would be, can you just imagine, to see the nations, the church, turn to the Father and allow His faith, the Holy Ghost, to move. What we see now seem to be so different from what existed with the early church. And we must ask ourselves, why? Why is that so? Is it that they knew or operated in a way that is different from us today? Did they have something that we did not have? First of all, God gave them himself just as he did with us. He gave us the power of the Holy Ghost to operate as manifested sons of God in the earth. And this power works in any situation, circumstance, and relationship. What the early church was able to do, we can do that as well. The Holy Ghost is never crippled, but we choose whether or not we will submit to his leading. We're not missing anything to survive in this world. By the divine power of God, we have been given all things pertaining to life and godliness, and we are now partakers of the divine nature, according to Second Peter 1, verse 3 to 4. We have been engrafted into the family of God. Now that should cause us to really rejoice. The Father, the Word, which is Jesus, and the Holy Ghost, the three in one that bear record in heaven, is dwelling in our bodies right now. And when we discern the power that is living within us, our perspective of the challenges that we face in this world will change. 
I have to ask myself, do we really understand the magnitude of the life that is within us? I can attest to the fact that there were some days I really did not believe. How could this great God choose to live in these bodies? It is a great life. Truly it is. And we have to come to that place where we see that it is a privilege that God would choose to live in these vessels and believe that indeed he is within us. Let's look at Jesus. Jesus walked this earth knowing that heaven was living within him. He understood that the Father operated in him and that gave him boldness to do the impossible. Jesus, who is the first of many brethren, has now multiplied himself in us and he promised that we would do greater works. This greater work is not by our power and our human abilities. It takes the power of God to accomplish the will of God and only the children of God, those who have the spirit of God, are working in favor with that will. But unfortunately, Because of what is being taught in a lot of our congregations, people still do not know who they are and are unaware of the part that they play in the kingdom of God right now. There are multiple excuses for sin and a rejection of holiness. There is an agenda to intimidate the church from preaching against sin and darkness. But God's word remains the standard Holiness seemed to have become a hate word and so many believers have not embraced what God has called us to, a free from sin, sinless, holy life. We are free from sin. We cannot allow the world to intimidate us from saying that. And we cannot live our lives thinking that Jesus came, suffered a horrible death on the cross, went to hell and still left us in sin. After all of what Jesus did, he still left us in sin? That would make his work unfinished. So him declaring on the cross that it is finished is not real? The issue of sin is already dealt with. The issue of sin is finished. So we don't have to live our lives thinking that we are still bound if we really have the Holy Ghost in us. God did a great work. He washed us, circumcised the flesh, and he made us new. Why then do we choose now to return to a sinful lifestyle after experiencing his power? The answer, choice. That's our answer. We choose to. But if I choose to walk in sin after salvation... That does not give me the right to preach that as the standard to God's people. God did not leave us bound. He broke the shackles. He broke the chains. If we sin now, it is by our choice. Didn't he say to us, do not get entangled again in the yoke of bondage because it's for freedom that you were made free? Why then do we choose to get entangled again? If we sin, repent and get it right with God immediately. That was Jesus' first message. Repent for the kingdom of God is here. Repent. Change. If we did something wrong to someone, then we must apologize. Ask for forgiveness. 
But let us not minister wrongdoing as the standard of God, because it is not. The scripture says, if we sin, not when. My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 1 John 2 verse 1. When, if we say when, when we sin, we have an advocate, that makes sin inevitable, which would indicate that we are not free indeed. But the scripture says, if we sin, if subjects it to a condition, and that condition is by choice. We make a choice to yield our bodies to sin, not because we have to, not because we have no control, but because we choose to. God is not telling us that sinning is normal for those who have his spirit. We would not need to repent if it was normal. We cannot be casual about holiness. This is what God has called us to. And he says, without holiness, no man shall see God. And he has given us his spirit so that we can walk holy and please him. The apostle says in Colossians chapter 2, do not let any man spoil you. If you are listening to this podcast now, I'm telling you what the Apostle Paul said. Do not let anyone spoil you. They may come with motivational speeches that sound good. They may come with philosophies, vanity, their own way, their own understanding. But Paul says that is not the teaching of Christ that was taught to you when you got saved. At salvation, when you got saved, you loved everybody. You wanted to live right. So why do you think that you, you can compromise now? You know what it felt like at salvation when the Holy Ghost came and you experienced newness of life. You knew that you were a new creature. We talk about being translated from darkness to light. You knew that there was something in you that shifted. There was something in you that changed and you knew you would never ever be the same from that day. So the apostle says, do not let anybody spoil you now. Do not let anybody come with any other teaching now to tell you that you have to dishonor God. And that's just how it is. No, because that salvation, that witness, oh my God, you got the Holy Ghost that made you know that you can live right for the rest of your day until Jesus comes. So become very afraid when someone begins to teach their opinion as the word of the Lord. Run for your life. The Father will return for a church that is without spot or blemish. But we have been so sensitized to believe that spots and blemishes will make it in. And so we live our lives compromising, saying, Oh, well, God will forgive me. He understands. This is just me. This is how I am. But the first counsel we got from Jesus is to deny ourselves if we want to follow him. Therefore, declaring that this is just how I am is no excuse. That's not going to find favor in the sight of God. We have to be willing to change and agree with God for real this time. In Thessalonians 5.23, the apostle writes, I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and your body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
That is his prayer for us, that we will be kept blameless until Jesus returns. The only way we will be kept blameless is if we continue in the way of the Lord. Make a choice every day to please God. When the situations arise, you would have already made a decision that you will honor God with your life. Every day, we make a sober decision to agree with God. The enemy of our souls will attack, yes. He will tempt, yes. But we don't have to yield to temptation. We have the power to obey God. And the apostle is telling us that our body, this body, yes, this body that you live in, that that you call your flesh, God says, I sanctified that body. I circumcised that body. I cut away sin from that body. I purified you. I consecrated you. I washed you up. I washed your soul. And the thing that is within you, the entity within you, the person within you now is the Holy Ghost. And the Lord is saying through the apostle, stay that way. Stay holy. Stay holy until Jesus comes. And he knows we can do it because we have the power to do it. The power is the Holy Ghost. The apostle says in verse 27, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. This epistle, this letter, this word, let it be preached to the holy brethren, the saints. He's saying the church consists of holy brethren. That is how God made us. He made us holy. And we can't be ashamed or afraid to say that we can't be intimidated by the devil. God made us his righteousness. The early church, they were not ashamed to say that they were the light of the world, the chosen of the Lord, his righteousness. They were not caught up in pride and self-righteousness. Oh no, but they were happy. They were rejoicing in the fact that God changed their lives because they knew where they were coming from, just like us. Some of us were liars, fornicators, thieves, homosexuals, gossipers, crippled in unforgiveness, broken, ashamed of our past. Some of us have been through some things. Come on molested, raped, beaten, or names about the place, slandered, and the list goes on. But God has washed us and placed his spirit in us. And he has charged us to live holy unto him because we are his righteousness. And we're not ashamed of that. My Lord, we know where we're coming from. And we're grateful. We're happy that God has given us a clean slate. He has washed us of all our iniquities. We're not afraid to say who we are. The enemy is not afraid to highlight his evangelists. He can cloud himself and fashion himself into light, but we know that he is darkness. We are the church of the living God, and we cannot be afraid to say that. We ought to rejoice, and this rejoicing is not necessarily how loud we can get with our mouths, but it's a gratefulness from the depths of our hearts and thanksgiving and praise that oozes unto our God from our souls. His life in us is precious and it ought to be treated as precious by the way we live our lives. It should really make us sad 
When we hear ministers tell people who have the spirit of God that you will fall, it's okay, you will sin, you are going to sin anyway, but God's got you, that's not the word of God. What about the scriptures and what they say? I hear what man say, but what does God say? Isn't God able to keep us from falling? Didn't the scripture tell us that he would keep us from falling? What about the scripture that says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. We want to see great miracles, signs, and wonders, but we don't expect to live holy. Do you know a lot of people are going to be casting out devils and doing great things and the Lord is going to say to them, depart from me, I know you not? Because we were so caught up in doing the miracles, signs, and wonders more than we are living holy before God. We believe that God can heal the sick and raise the dead, but we don't believe that he can keep us from falling. And the world can see us going on with the bodily exercise and the singing and the dancing, but they are yet to entertain Christ in us. Our gathering together should train us to operate as ministers of Christ in the earth, not to sensitize us to failure and make us comfortable in our way. We are to be confronted and challenged to live a life that pleases our Heavenly Father. In John chapter 8, we see the account of the woman caught in adultery. And based on what I have heard, a lot of individuals choose to stop at verse 7, where Jesus said, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. Now, Jesus is speaking to an unregenerated, unsaved religious people who were quick to judge, condemn, and kill the woman. Jesus was not about to side with them in their iniquity, for this is not the season for judgment. The script continues, and he says, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No. And in verse 11, Jesus said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Jesus did not leave the woman in her state. He did not ignore her state. He caused her to know that she needed to change. Go and sin no more. He was not trying to be her best friend. He did not compromise. He did not sanction her lifestyle. He made it very clear that the lifestyle that she is living, she needs to do it no more. Go and sin no more. Stop doing the thing that you're doing. That sounds like love to me. Love will not see you going over a cliff and let you go. It will show you the right way. When any individual confronts us, we have to be willing to receive that confrontation, that rebuke or correction as from the Lord. God will always speak to us where we are. He will not speak over our head. He, he speaks directly to our spiritual disposition. That is what God does and that is what leadership does. It addresses the disposition of the people in love so that the people can see, acknowledge, and walk in the life of God that is in him, the full stature of Christ. Jesus' ministry to the crowd was that this woman was one of you. Why do you want to kill her? She's one of you. And they ought to have compassion and mercy on her as they would want if they were in her disposition. And to the woman, he also had a word. He made her know that she too needed to change. As with us, when we encounter the love, mercy, and forgiveness of God, 
that love compelled us to surrender and serve him for the rest of our days. And our testimony is that we can no longer continue to work evil. We can no longer continue to sin after having experienced this great grace. So God is saying the same thing to us. Go and sin no more. God has made us new creatures. We are a new creation. So we cannot pick up the old ways, the old man, the old nature, and live according to it when God said, I have made you new. I have circumcised your flesh, and I have given you my spirit. Is the Holy Ghost insufficient? Is the grace of God insufficient? Am I able to keep you? We sometimes make God look like a liar when we live a life and preach a message that waters down salvation and make others feel as though it doesn't take that much. When we look at the lives of the apostles and how they lived this word, holy men who sacrificed for this gospel, and we want to water it down by living ungodly lives and dare to think that we will go to heaven where they are, We don't expect to sacrifice anything. We don't expect to be tried and tested. We don't expect to live holy lives. We don't want to suffer through anything, yet we want a great crown. The apostle tells us in Ephesians 4 verse 1 that we should walk worthy of this calling. Know you not that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. The Holy Ghost, the power of God is in you, if indeed you have his spirit. He is in your body. So when you are in a difficult situation, remember God is the one in you. When you are faced with a trial, a test, God is in your body. In suffering situations, God is in you. I remember recently saying to the Lord, Father, this is your body. If it is sick, this is your body. Whatever it goes through, this is what you have allowed your body that you live in to go through. Therefore, I will not be shaken because this is your body. Do we believe that God actually lives within us? Do we fellowship with that God who is in us? Do we discern and experience his life stretching out on the inside? Do we believe that he is the one living and moving and working his good pleasure? We have gotten so caught up on our jobs, family life situations. We have even allowed the challenges and hardships in this life to cloud our vision to the point where we forget that we are all ministers. We are called forth to work the purposes of God in the earth. We are ministers of reconciliation. We forget that somebody needs to experience Christ. We forget that the creation is groaning and moaning, wanting to see the real sons of God arising. And we forget that there is a nation dying, wanting to know, can I really please God? And we are embracing a doctrine, a devilish doctrine that God did not give to us. We have allowed the philosophies of men to spoil us. We have allowed our lust for the world and our lust for preeminence and our lust for fame and our lust to be friends with the world to blind us from what really matters. God says, if you're going to be a friend with the world, you can't be my friend. 
If we really want to be the friends of God, we have to know that the world is not going to love us. The world is not going to appreciate us. The world is not even worthy of us. But guess what? We know that at the end of the day, we want to be on the Lord's side. We forget that God has a standard. Not a standard that we have to meet by our own power, but we can meet that standard as we yield to the Holy Spirit within us. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Romans 6 verse 12 to 14. Do we want what God wants? Do we truly want to operate as instruments of righteousness? Or do we want to compromise a little, sin a little? Do we really consider ourselves as dead, dead to this world and only alive unto God? Do we really love God? If we do, then we will keep his commandments. Not everything that says Lord, Lord will enter in. Not everyone who attends a temple of worship will make it in. We have to be so sober and serious about our souls. We only have one and our desire ought to be that we see our father and hear him say, well done. Let us not be like that group of people that will be doing church, but not pleasing God. In this past conference, Caribbean Conference 2019, we were reminded of the wheat and the tears that grow together. But God knows those who are his, and when they hear his voice, they are not considering a rebuttal. They just agree, and they are able to discern a lie when they hear one. So I ask the question, where are the true sons of God, the real reformers, who will turn the world upside down? You will not be loved by the world. But then Jesus told you that. Just as the early church was accused of being troublemakers and heretic, so will the latter church. But we have a mandate to preach the pure gospel as it is. Our opinion will not last. But the word of God, as it is written, it will last. And this truth will save souls, even with the propagation of so many lies. Matthew 13, verse 24 to 30, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tears among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tears also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tears? He said to them, 
an enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tears, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. The word of the Lord, knowing what you know, launch out and do the will of the Father. Launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. The harvest is plentiful and we have a great work to do by the faith of Jesus Christ. So we call, we will go and we will send forth the real reformers. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word that you are faithful to speak to us where we are. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God of compassion and you don't desire that any would be lost. Father, you said you require that every man everywhere should repent and turn to you. So, Father, we repent this day. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for the times when we ignored your voice. Forgive us for the times when we walked according to our own way, our own imagination. Forgive us for walking in our own opinions and forsaking what you have said in your word. We choose this day, God, to obey you, Lord. We choose this day, Father, to allow you to lead us, O Holy God. We don't want to live according to our own way and our own standard. We want your word, God. We want the sincere milk of your word father so even now lord we commit ourselves to you and we say father wash us god purge us O holy god that we will truly be the reformers the transformers the evangelists that you have called us to be in this life god we will be the teachers god the preachers the prophets the body of christ the servants that you have called us to be to serve you god and to serve in this earth lord for this time father I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will know that indeed you are within us and you have a life that you want to live and that we should not shroud that purpose with our selfish desires, O Holy God. So, Father, we say, Lord, forgive us, Lord. And we will hold fast to what you have called us to do in this time. And we will not compromise, Lord God. So continue, Lord God, to work your purposes. Hallelujah. Through our bodies, Lord God. We thank you, Father. We will not compromise, Lord. Even when situations get hard, Father, we thank you that you have empowered us to stand and to represent you in all things, Lord. We want the world to know that you reign, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord. So cause our love, O God, for one another to continue to flow. We give you glory, Lord. 
We praise you. We thank you for a new beginning, Lord God. We thank you, O God, that you have come to remind us again of your standard, not the standard of man, but the standard that you have outlined in your word, Lord God. I pray, O God, that we will not chide. We will not try to rebut. We will not try to fight against what you have said, God, but we will humble ourselves, Lord, and surrender to your word. Remember those who need your spirit today. Father, you said you came to seek and save the lost, O holy God. Give us a burden for souls, God. Father, we pray that you would save today. Save those souls that are in need of you. Fill up, O God. You said you would fill all flesh with your spirit. So we trust you to do it, Lord God. We commit ourselves afresh to you. Have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, we will give you all the glory. For Father, you are worthy. And we want that God, when you return, Father, you say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear, Lord. So we recommit our hearts, our lives to you today. And we say, Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. For your copy of this episode of Roadblock, visit our Sunrise with Jesus app or you can download on iTunes. And don't forget to give to our ministry. Your donation will help us to expand and bless more homes just as you have been blessed. God loves a cheerful giver. So go ahead. Giving is only a click away. Visit our app and click on Give. Until next time, rejoice, feel the breeze, smell the roses, smile with your neighbor, and walk on, warrior.